Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the Eagles are now 7-1 and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 117. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts on the Eagles' wet and wild win on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. That wasn't always pretty. But it's always good to come away with a W, especially one that is never in doubt in the second half. Next up, we'll hit on a scouting report where I'll break down the big story of the week. I don't want to bury the lead because the Eagles made a huge trade. Let's talk about Jay Ajayi and what I saw from him coming out of Boise State a couple of years ago. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I have a lot to talk about, including the newest Eagles running back. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. And Greg, uh, it's Tuesday afternoon here at the Novacare Complex. It's a pretty quiet day for the most part as the trade deadline uh, comes to a close pretty much as we... No. No, not not much going on. And I guess let's not bury the lead here. Before we get to the tape of what we saw against the Eagles uh, in the Eagles' win over the San Francisco 49ers, let's talk about Jay Ajayi, the Eagles' newest acquisition at running back. Howie Roseman and company trade a fourth-round pick to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for the veteran running back, a player that you and I both liked coming out of Boise State back in 2015. I'm going to go over my notes on him coming out of college later in the show, but tell us what you've seen from Ajayi throughout his NFL career so far with the Miami Dolphins. Well, I thought last year he was one of the best backs in the league. He's he's an eye back for the most part. He's a physical, violent runner. Um, he's relentless. He's strong. He's powerful. He had some long runs last year as well, although he's not truly a big playback. To me, he's more of a grinder and a sustainer. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, and you know why I really like the move? Because you know what good teams do, as far as I'm concerned, is they accumulate good players. See, to me, it, it's as soon as we saw that trade here at NFL Films, a lot of people came to me and said, well, what are they going to do with him? They have Blunt. They have, and I said, that doesn't matter. The goal is to get good players. And then you worry about it. And, and, you know, that's something that someone like Bill Belichick has done for years and years. You try to acquire and accumulate good players, then you worry about it. And that's why I really like the move. And not only does it help the Eagles in the short term, obviously, look, the, we'll see if he's going to be able to play on Sunday and to what extent against the Denver Broncos and the Eagles going to a bye week. And you imagine he'll be fully in the rotation by the time we travel to Dallas on Sunday night football. But then the long term, I mean, you, you, you were able to acquire a 24-year-old back with some tread definitely still on the tires, even though he was a big part of this Miami offense for the last couple of years. And a guy that, honestly, he was a fifth-round pick. But let's be honest. He would have been a second-round pick, maybe even higher, if not for questions about his knees. He has kind of put those to rest throughout his career, and there have been no real concerns about his durability to this point in his career. So uh, the Eagles really kind of helped themselves both in the short term, but then also in the long term, because you could figure Jay Ajayi as the feature back here in Philadelphia, the primary ball carrier, for a long, long time moving forward. 
And I think it's a good place for him because he may not think so now because, as with most backs, he wants the ball 25 times a game. But that's not what Doug Peterson's offense is. Uh, now, that doesn't mean he's not going to have a game or two where that happens if he becomes the foundation back going forward. But in this offense, he, he can have weeks where he carries 11 times, weeks where he carries 16 times. This would probably prolong his career. He was getting worn out in Miami because they really didn't have much else, and he was carrying 25, 26 times behind a not very good O-line, and he had a fight for every single yard. That was one of the things that really stood out to me watching all of his carries from this year and a large majority of his carries from 2016 all this morning when the news broke, Greg, was uh, just how he was able to create for himself. And you saw so many of those big runs as well come in the outside zone stretch, a play that the Eagles ran a lot this week against San Francisco. We haven't seen a ton of the zone stretch here in the regular season, but they ran it a lot against San Francisco with, with minimal success. So it was really interesting to just see the, that run so often. And you see, you know what, man, if, if he was here on Sunday against the 49ers, you could imagine that he would have been able to bust some of those runs a little bit longer than they may have against the 49ers on Sunday. He fights for every yard. I mean, you, as I'm sure you saw when you watched all his runs, he fights for every yard. Uh, he doesn't like the run to ever be over. How do you feel? I mean, look, every team runs pretty much every kind of run concept you're going to see. But in terms of what we've seen from this Eagles run game schematically, you, know, you see the trap and the wham. You see the inside zone. We've seen a little bit of power, a little bit of counter here and there, the, the traps and wham specifically. How do you feel about Jay Ajayi in this scheme and then also with the personnel they have up front? I think it's going to be an improvement from what he's seen from a run blocking perspective here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I think if memory serves me correctly, uh, yeah, I didn't go over every run again. I've I've seen them all this year, but I, there was a and you saw them this morning, so it's probably fresher in your mind. But they ran a ton of zone in Miami, if memory serves me correctly, and. You know, he's one of those backs that can stick his foot in the ground and get downhill. Uh, there's a physicality to him. There's a toughness to him. There's a velocity to the way he runs. Uh, I think that he theoretically can run any kind of run. It's just a matter of what he's most comfortable with. It's going to be really exciting just to see him kind of get inculcated into this culture and into this scheme and really incorporated into the rotation by the time they come back for that game against Dallas. And I guess it'll be week 11 at that point. Uh, Greg, let's talk about what we saw this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. And, and we'll start with Carson Wentz in the passing game. It wasn't always pretty, and you and I talked about that when we did the All-22 review. It wasn't always pretty for Carson. It wasn't one of his best days. Obviously, the weather was certainly a factor. Early pressure in the first half was a factor, but it was really good to see them still put up 26 points offensively. They were able to move the ball in chunks, and he was able to kind of overcome some of that adversity. I would say that he was not overly sharp throwing the ball in this game. As you and I saw watching it live, he missed some throws with poor ball placement that he has made this season. And we don't need to go over those specific plays. There were probably three or four of them. But, uh, you know, again, I think he's a very mentally tough player, and he hung in there, and, uh, you know, then he made some good throws. And, and you just see, even throws he misses, there's just a sense of him being tall and strong in the pocket. He looks comfortable. Uh, but, yeah, he was a little bit off, and fortunately, it didn't hurt them in this particular game. I think back to that, to the first touchdown, the, the one that he threw to Zach Ertz in the end zone, and we covered that play on the All-22 review, and really that kind of came from the pre-snap motion. San Francisco got confused. No one picked up Ertz in the secondary, and he ran free for a touchdown. But if you go back into the plays that helped set that play up, 
You know, they were able to attack the 49ers in their base cover three with a couple skinny posts. You know, they, they hit Mac Hollins on that skinny down the left sideline, which was a great anticipation throw from Carson. And then they got to the goal line with a pass interference call on Torrey Smith, which was another example of using that skinny post to attack cover three. When I watch this Eagles offense, it seems like a lot of the pass game, a lot of their biggest plays have come from finding voids in zone coverage. And when you see that with a young quarterback, is that something that is kind of consistent with young players across the league when you see them at the position? Is it that it's against zone, or do you think it's it's something that's a little bit different here with Carson? Uh, I mean, I think that throwing against zone sometimes can – can uh, take a little time for young quarterbacks because you have to kind of get a feel. Uh, A receiver may or may not look open to a quarterback, and you have to get a feel for how quickly defenders break on the ball. Man is one thing. It's man-to-man, and, and, you know, normally – some guys have that in their DNA to make that throw. Some guys don't. But I think zone can present a few other problems. Um, the, The play you're talking about with the pass interference, that was the second kind of play like that that I recall. I think there was one to Torrey Smith earlier in the season, and what I really liked about those kinds of throws, because that was sort of a sticks coverage, as I recall, and then he threw it over the top of it, and I like those kinds of throws because that shows how aggressive he naturally is, and I think to be a high-level quarterback, you have to be aggressive with those kinds of throws, and uh, you know, fortunately, they got the pass interference, but uh, it was not a bad throw by any means, but the skinny post to Hollins for 24 yards a couple of plays before that, you, you referenced it. I mean, that was about as beautifully executed as you can do a skinny post because uh, uh, Carson threw that with precise anticipation and ball placement. That was really well done. That's a good point. I didn't even think about the, the one to Torrey earlier in the year. I'm pretty sure it was in the Kansas City game, Greg, when uh, they – Right on him. Yeah. Uh, it was good coverage, but I think it was a sticks kind of coverage as well. But just an aggressive throw, and you know, again, I really like that. I think you have to play that way in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I 1,000% agree. So then we we move from the the receivers. We talked about Zach Ertz. He gets into the end zone once again in this game. Let's talk about the offensive line and and in pass protection. Uh, I guess, namely, we'll start with Big V with Halapulavati Vitae gets his first start on the blind side in place of Jason Peters. He gives up the sack. He gave up one play in the, in the run game as well, a tackle for loss. Overall, though, outside of those two plays, and you know, you're going to have good plays, you're going to have bad plays, what did you think of Vitae in this game against San Francisco? Well, it's funny you say that because I thought he had a solid game. I, uh, the note I made was a couple of bad snaps, but overall I thought he played well in both the run game and, and in pass pro. Uh, the sack that you're referring to, I, again, he certainly needs to hold the block longer, but that ball should have been out before the sack occurred. So if the ball was out, then we wouldn't be talking about a sack that he had allowed. So that really was on Carson more than Vitae. So I thought overall he played a solid game at left tackle. I a thousand percent agree. I, I thought it, the the criticism overall of him, you know, in the city, I think after that game, I thought was a little unwarranted. I, I would agree that he he had a solid performance against the Forty ers and I, I would expect that he's just going to continue to improve as he kind of settles in there on the left side. Uh, overall, the other the other player, I feel, and we've we've talked about him a little bit this season, but. Brandon Brooks had another really good game. You know, and watching him against DeForest Buckner in some pass rush situations one on one, I thought he did a really good job against DeForest Buckner in the run game. He was getting movement, especially late in the game when they're trying to run to win and kind of st- bleed the clock and, and run that four minute drill late. I mean, I, Brandon Brooks has been really, really strong this year. I don't know if that's something that you saw as well watching the tape. I think, to be honest with you, because I don't notice him a lot, you know, unless I'm deciding to watch him specifically. 
which is a good thing because that means he's actually executing his assignments. And I think for the most part, that's been the case all year. Rarely do I watch the Eagles and go, wow, that's a bad play by Brooks. You know, I think he's been really consistent pretty much in every game. Greg, let's go over to the defensive side of the football and and another really good, strong outing from this defense from Jim Schwartz. Uh, They give up on a a touchdown on a short field, but outside of that, were very, very effective in this game. Got after C.J. Beathard. I think it was 10 hits on the quarterback, four sacks, two interceptions. Uh, Just very, very active throughout the course of the game. I want to start, though, on the back end and Jalen Mills. What have you seen from Jalen over the course of this season? Because there's kind of two schools of thought on him, and there are some people that you know that, that really like the way that he plays and his play style and his competitiveness, and there are others, and it seems to be from the analytics side of it where you're talking about how many catches he's given up and how many yards and, and this, that, and the other. Uh, what are, where do you fall on the Jalen Mills spectrum from what you've seen from him so far this year and then namely on Sunday what you saw from him against San Francisco? You know, again, I don't know how analytics are done, uh, but I, I think you have to put him in the context of what he's asked to do within the context of the defense. This week they played a lot more cover one man coverage, but for the most part, the foundational coverage has been cover three. And in cover three, what they predominantly ask their corners to do is to play with a fairly good size cushion. So, Again, he might give up completions because that's the nature of that kind of defense. But I think for the most part, Mills and Robinson and Douglas have played well on the outside. Uh, They've not given up many big plays. Uh, Now, completions are a different thing. You know, again, that may factor into a grade of a player by analytics or by a company. But, you know, I think for you have to look at the context of the defense. I mean, they've been they've played a lot of snaps of cover three in which Mills is is basically playing with a 10-yard cushion. And, you know, then you have to factor in down and distance, situation. There's a lot of things that go into it beyond just, you know, giving up a completion. So I I think Mills has played well. Uh, He's a feisty, as you said, competitive kid. The only thing he probably really lacks, I mean, he's obviously not tall, and lanky, but the the other thing that he probably lacks is he's not a burner in, from a speed perspective, and I think you'd, you'd certainly like a corner to be faster, but I think he's a solid NFL corner. Yeah, and then one of the things that stood out to me in this game especially he did. He was so disciplined on the back end, and I don't know if you saw it too, but there were a couple plays where C.J. Beathard had to tuck the football or was forced into a check down because Jalen Mills did such a good job of not taking the cheese on a double move or not taking the run fake too hard on a boot naked run, uh, pass to, the, to his side of the field and just his overall eye discipline and not taking the cheese in front of him. I thought in this game in particular, I thought was very, very strong. And you saw obviously on the interception return for a touchdown, his, uh, his zone eyes, his ability to kind of read the quarterback through the receiver, judge the route, and then make a break on the ball for the pick. Yeah, and we, and we broke that down on, on uh, Eagles.com, you know, and, and I think that was uh, – he, he was an outstanding play because he was a cover three corner playing with cushion. He was playing to the boundary, and he read both Garcon's route and Beathard's drop, and, he, and his eye discipline with the ability to see both was as good as it gets. And he, as soon as he saw Beathard start his delivery, he planted and drove both on the route and the ball. He played that about as well as you can play it. What were your overall takeaways, Greg? Uh, this is the second week now without Jordan Hicks, the first full game without Jordan Hicks, so they prepared to, to not have him going into the game. Uh, overall, with the secondary rotation, we saw a lot of dime on third and long. Was that about what you expected going into this game? Was there anything that surprised you overall with the rotation? 
No, because I think when all said and done, it makes more sense for them to have Graham on the field as opposed to Good, because you're getting a better athlete, you're getting a multi-dimensional player. Now you have two safeties in, in Jenkins and Graham who can do a lot of different things for you, and normally in those situations you're not really defending the run, so you can lose the size that Good gives you as a linebacker and play with the better athlete to safety, and I think we'll see a lot of that going forward. Well, you mentioned just defending the run, and the Eagles obviously doing that at a higher rate than anybody in the NFL right now. Extremely effective on the ground game, and it, and you can go to individual efforts, you can go to overall team efforts. Have there have was there one player or two players that stood out to you in this game up front for the Eagles that really helped in terms of uh, keeping the Forty ers from getting things going on the ground? Tim Jernigan stood out to me in this game. Uh, you know, again, he he's a very quick guy. He's he's you know, we both really liked him coming out of college. We thought he he would be this kind of player because even though he has sort of a stout body type, he's got really good foot quickness, and uh, I think he's really good with movement right off the ball. I think he can beat offensive linemen just with his quickness off the ball when he when he slants or moves, and you know, and he creates issues for offensive interior offensive linemen. Well, Greg, we're going to take a look now at this Denver Broncos offense, and obviously that's it's a unit that has had issues throughout the course of the season. You, know, you look at their numbers overall, uh, and it has not been very good. They're, I think they're 10th right now in yards per game rushing the football, which is not bad, but overall passing the football, they've had issues. The run game, while it's been effective on the whole, hasn't overall been, you know, they haven't really gotten into a true rhythm running the football. When you watch them right now, and we'll get to the quarterback situation in a bit, but looking at this run game, what will they bring to Philadelphia on Sunday? Because they're, they're going to need that run game to win. I know that's something that you and I have talked about in the past as well. Yeah, and if you do a little bit of a deep dive in their run game, Fran, they've run the ball well out of 11 personnel this year. That has actually been far and away their, the, the, the personnel package that they've run the ball more out of than any other personnel package and they've run the ball over five yards per rush out of 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field. And I would think that they would try to do that this week. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball, and they're going to have to run it with some kind of sustaining consistency. Uh, now, then much depends on other factors for that to happen. Their defense has to keep the game close. Obviously, uh, Trevor Simeon can't turn the ball over because that then you know changes games. Uh, but if they can play mistake-free offensive football and their defense can keep the game close, then at least the Broncos can have some volume in the run game. And as I said, they run it really well out of 11 personnel. So that'll be interesting. The, the Eagles, uh, with, a, with the uptick in sub-package after the injury to Hicks, uh, could match up to 11 personnel in more sub-package looks, and that could mean uh, more of a run look in those situations. I think that could be an interesting matchup in this game. It's funny what you could see in this case. If, if and look, the Eagles are going to do all this work. You know, they'll be doing even you know far more work than you and I. Uh, but uh, if it's first down, eleven personnel, maybe you'll see nickel with good because they'll feel they're going to run the football, and, and they might want the linebacker in there inside. Uh, you know, or not. It might not be good. It, you know, it could be Kendricks and, and and Bradham. You know, you don't know. But I'm saying it could be two linebackers as opposed to dime. So talk about the quarterback situation, Gary. Obviously, Simeon has been very up and down. It was not a good outing for him on Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's had his moments in, in this league but as a young player, but uh, they could make the, the switch over to Paxton Lynch. You've kind of studied him over his career, uh, so far young career. What have you seen from him in the preseason? And then uh, they also have Brock Osweiler, who's healthy. With the amount of practice time that Lynch ha has seen so far, I'd imagine that if they do make a change, it's probably to Osweiler, right? 
Yeah, and again, you know, we're not reading anything about that today, which doesn't mean it won't happen. Uh, you know, the fact that they brought Simeon out for the second half, and, and I think he actually played better, uh, you know, so we'll see. Um, let's start with Simeon in case he goes. I mean, he's a pure timing and rhythm drop-back passer. He needs the play design to define the read and the throw within the structure. That's what he is. And and if that doesn't happen, then he struggles. Um Osweiler, I've always struggled with him, and I think that in this game against this team, the Eagles defense, he would have a hard time because I don't think he's very good when there are people around him. And I think the Eagles can can win against this offensive line, particularly if you get into some long yardage situations. Um, Lynch, Lynch is a guy with a big arm, a long delivery, really bad footwork the last time he played, um, very erratic with his ball placement and accuracy, clearly wasn't ready to be a starting NFL quarterback a year ago, has missed a lot of time this year due to injury, so I don't know where he stands. Uh, but the, the player who started two games last year was really not ready. I think, Greg, when you look at the receiver position, you know they've been missing Emmanuel Sanders. I saw a report today that he could return on Sunday, which I guess would be a big boost for them. We've seen Demarius Thomas, uh, and then they've really kind of relied on Benny Fowler out of the slot, as well as Jordan Taylor, uh, who's a bigger kid at the wide receiver position. Talk about this receiving core and what you've seen from this group throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, I think the thing that stands out to me is the fact that they lack really uh i mean if sanders is there they have it to some degree but certainly without him they don't have any vertical dimension they don't really have anybody who can stretch a defense lift coverage create voids so it's a very very condensed passing game and therefore it becomes easier to defend sanders at least gives them a little bit of verticality and he certainly can line up uh uh, anywhere on the field, you know, he can line up inside, he can line up outside. Uh, so he gives them some versatility and some verticality, which they're sorely lacking. Anytime we're pre- preparing for an opposing team to play the Philadelphia Eagles, we have to talk about the opponent offensive line because of the matchup with this Eagles front four. And you look at this starting five that they brought out on Monday night. You had the rookie left tackle, Garrett Bowles, a young guy at left guard, and Max Garcia, who played a number of different positions at Florida, Matt Paradis at center, Ronald Leary, the veteran, the former Cowboy at right guard, and then Menelik Watson at right tackle. Overall thoughts on this group, especially Bowles, since he was the rookie first-round pick. Yeah, it's a struggling group, and I think Balls has really struggled for the most part this year. He's had issues all season in pass pro, especially with speed to power. Uh, He just doesn't anchor real well. He gets driven back into the quarterback. He's a good athlete, uh, and I think his calling card has to be athleticism. But uh, I think for the most part, he's had a very uneven rookie season. And then, of course, they've had injuries across the front. They've had to play barber at right tackle uh, at times. It seems uh, this past week, it seems as if he rotated at left guard with Max Garcia. So I don't know how how that's going to play out this week. But it, it has not been, in my view, a real strong O-line. From one battle in the trenches to another, I think you can kind of focus this game down into those two matchups. Let's talk about the the Eagles' offensive line against this pass rush from the Denver Broncos because that's really kind of the strength of their team watching them. You see that they're able to do a lot of different things up front. They got Shane Ray back, a former first-round pick, in uh, in this game against Kansas City. He re-entered the starting lineup as the weak side backer. But when you look at Derek Wolf and obviously Von Miller, who's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every time he takes the field, Adam Gotsis at right defensive end has a guy that – 
that really impressed me throughout his college career and has turned into a really nice player. Brandon Marshall off the ball at middle linebacker. They've, they've got some pieces up front. What do you see from this scheme? What can the Eagles expect to see? And for Eagles fans that haven't watched them, what is this front seven all about? I think the key when you play this, this defense is, and again, it's, it's a key every week, but with this particular defense, it's really a key, is you have to stay out of long yardage because that's when they play dime and that's when you get all their, their pressure concepts. And there's a lot of stunts. There's your basic stunts. There's long stunts with Von Miller with tremendous uh, speed, versatility, flexibility, the way he moves. Um, so if you get into long yardage, and not necessarily just third and long, it could be second and long, then you're going to see a lot of stuff that the Eagles have struggled with at times this year. Even last week, they struggled a bit with some stunts, just from a four-man D-line and then some stunts with some, some blitz involved as well. So that's going to be really critical in this game uh, because, I, I, you know, look, obviously with Peters out, we talked about Vitae, but he's just not the athlete, Jason Peters, and not many are. So you have to, this game, the Eagles are going to have to be a little bit careful with their play calling when they get into long yardage because sometimes you can negate a great pass rush and, and pressure schemes with the nature of your play calling as well. So they're going to have to be real careful in this game uh, because otherwise that, that, that defense with their pressure schemes, they can wreck your offense. A lot of the things that they do to kind of keep Von Miller isolated and kind of force and dictate those one-on-one matchups with him kind of are very similar to what we see with the Eagles and Fletcher Cox. They do a lot of things where they stunt on the opposite side of the line from Von Miller to kind of create those, uh, you know, those situations for the offensive line where they have to decide, or the offensive line where they have to decide where to slide protection before the snap. Are they going to go to Von Miller's side where he may be all by himself, or are they going to look over to an exotic look and over? overload look on the opposite side and you got to kind of pick your poison there as a protection scheme and, and that's what really makes them difficult you mentioned all those long stunts you, you have Von Miller who's moved all around the formation it's not just over the right tackle even though that's probably where the majority of his reps are he'll line up over the left tackle he'll lined up over the guard he'll stand up and move all around as a joker type player so uh, watching this defense they certainly do bring a lot of different layers to their pressure scheme. Yeah, and I think one thing we've seen them do, we saw it this week because Ray was back, and I've seen them do it before when he's been healthy, and you will see it when you get into long yardage, is you're going to have Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett, and Von Miller on the field at the same time. And that's a lot of speed, and and you you nailed it. Which it's not just Von Miller. You know, you're going to see them try to isolate Vitae in one on ones. You're going to see them try to isolate Wisniewski in one on ones, and they'll feel very good about that if it's Ray or Barrett. Those are two very good players as well. So that's why I said it's so critical. You can't be in a lot in a lot of long yardage situations in this game because that could be an equalizer in this game. Greg, it's a ton of dime, so a lot of sub package with six defensive backs and five uh, players in the defensive front seven. Uh, when you've got that dime package, what do they look like in the secondary, and what do you typically see the responsibilities? Because it is primarily man coverage when they're in dime as well. Yeah, well, I think one area that to, to focus on, and obviously the Eagles try to get the ball to, to Zach Ertz every week, but this team has not had good numbers against tight ends this year. In fact, they've given up a lot of catches and a lot of yards. And when they do play man, it's predominantly Darian Stewart, and at times it's the dime safety parks. 
and they both struggled a little in man, but they feel comfortable about it, even though they've given up some numbers. I mean, we saw in the and you saw in the game last week they had no problem when Jason uh, uh, Kelsey, excuse me, Travis Kelsey was split out wide. They had no problem with Parks or Stewart playing him man to man. So that's something they've been doing all year. My guess is they'll continue to do. If they did it against Kelsey, who's a better athlete than Ertz, uh, then they're going to do it against Zach Ertz. So you know that that to me is an area that the Eagles will definitely look to exploit. Well, Greg, it will be a very, very intriguing matchup here at Lincoln Financial Field Sunday afternoon. Look forward to watching it with you and then talking about it the following day. Thanks for, uh, for joining us once again here, as always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Redhead Joe and The Mocking Jake. Both of you went on and gave us a great shout-out on iTunes telling everybody how much you enjoy the show. So thanks to Jake and thanks to Redhead Joe and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep the show going. We have a pretty big name to talk about now with Jay Ajayi. We talked about what he's looked like so far in the NFL with Greg earlier in the show, but here are my notes on him coming out of college this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Jay Ajayi was just under six foot. He's 5'11 and three quarters, 221 pounds coming out of Boise. And believe it or not, I actually liked him a lot more. I liked him more than guys like Tevin Coleman, who went in, the, I believe, the second or third round to the Atlanta Falcons. Duke Johnson, who was a second-round pick for the Cleveland Browns. Even Melvin Gordon, who went in the first round out of Wisconsin. I like Jay Ajayi more than all three of those players coming out of Boise. And why? Well, I, I really liked his competitive style. We're going to get to that now. Lined up in a spread offense for Boise State, mostly in the shotgun and pistol, a lot of one-back sets, and he really displayed good peripheral vision in the open field. He did a nice job setting up his blocks, letting things develop in front of him, and finding a crease out in space. He was split out wide at times as a wide receiver, and he was very reliable in that role, both out of the backfield and from the slot. Caught everything, ran good routes, and he adjusted to poor throws. So as a receiver, I had no questions about it. And then you go to him as a runner when he saw it he hit it he showed a good burst in the open field especially for a big back with good long speed to pull away from defenders out at the second and third level he runs behind his pads always falling forward and that's something I definitely saw going back and watching him throughout his career here at Miami balanced runner doesn't often go down on first contact he runs through arm tackles and he was a very competitive runner who will use the stiff arm very well to keep defenders at bay and I absolutely saw that as well on the Dolphins tape as well as going back to Boise he's got surprising wiggle he can make that first man miss and as I said he was a very reliable receiver out of the backfield now what were the questions well there were times where when it was a really crowded box I wasn't sure how well he picked his way through the briar patch in college well guess what I thought that he did a really good job of that, watching him back at Miami now as he developed into more of a comfortable NFL ball carrier. I saw a lot more decisiveness from him downhill, so I was really glad to see some of that. And to me, in pass protection at Boise State, I wanted to see him get better. Guess what? That's an area where he also improved here with my or with the Miami Dolphins as an NFL player. I, he's not an A-plus pass protector right now, 
but he's gotten much better in that phase of the game, and he's gotten to the point where he can be relied on to be a three-down type of back. So a competitive runner, very balanced skill set. I liked his physical tools and that he could create his own yardage. I wanted to see him block a little bit better and develop a little bit better vision in between the tackles, but overall, I really, really liked Jay Ajayi. And like I mentioned, some of those flaws that I saw in college, he has really kind of improved on those throughout his NFL career. So that's how I felt about Jay Ajayi coming out of Boise. Great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening to the show, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, or TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. We're everywhere, of course, always on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, again, go take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there, too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. Happy Halloween. We will talk to you next week.